Hello, Fight fans, and welcome to the Hollywood Brunettes Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Matt, the store brand Keanu. Alongside me is my tag team partner, the Danimal. How's it going, Matty? Oh, it's that time of year again, Danimal. WrestleMania 39 is upon us. Two-day affair, as per last year. So, as per tradition here at the Hollywood Burnett's Wrestling Podcast, we like to run through the card because I'm completely oblivious to virtually 75% of this entire roster and what these matches mean. So, I'd love for you to enlighten me and then I'll give you my takes and I want to hear your takes as well. So, uh, let's hop to it. Night one, first match I'm seeing here, Austin Theory, the champion versus John Cena for the United States Championship belt. Thoughts on this one? Uh, I mean, this is a great a great one in, I think, kind of the classic, like, passing of the torch. Um, I think I sent you the pretty the pretty brutal Cena burn of, you know, I'd rather go bald than have them pipe in crowd noise, which was a pretty, pretty brutal burn. But I think it's, it's important that Cena, you know, really made it seem like he cared, like he had something against Theory, because Theory, he's walked that fine line between the, like, they're shoving him down our throats. We get it. He's the next big thing. But then when you watch the progress he's made, especially as a 25-year-old, I think that's the really exciting thing is, you know, the, the concept of a real homegrown, you know, this guy could be on our screens for 10, 15 years. That makes it really exciting. And, you know, they clearly believe in him. He had the uh, the McAfee match last year, which led also to, you know, taking the stunner which was possibly one of the greatest stunner cells uh, this side of the rock back in the heyday. So I think, uh, I, I think it's going to be a really good match. Uh, I think it's, it's, you know, Cena coming back to kind of do the honors. Do you, uh, you have much of a take on this one? Yeah. Um, what I'll say is that, you know, I, that clip you sent me was amazing. And from what I understand, uh, Cena and theory are very close. So that was kind of one of those like, perfectly orchestrated burns that only works where you don't have to worry about any backstage heat as a result um i forgive me i forget his name at the moment but i remember at the last pay-per-view i believe it was uh elimination chamber wasn't it bianca belair's husband uh had the big showing out right yeah montez Uh, ford montez ford correct and what i remember when i saw kind of the highlight packages of that was Theory seemed to be on the receiving end of like 90% of that stuff. So, I mean, he just is out of this world athletic and and definitely destined for great things. It does remind me a lot of like Randy Orton when he first came about to kind of the same thing where it's like you've been, they were pushing him so much to the point where it's like, he can't be that good. But then a few years pass and it's like, no, he, he kind of is that good. And it just keeps continues to evolve from there. So um, I, I think passing the torch is a great way to describe this one. I, I would give it to uh, Theory here, especially because I feel like he's done the job for a number of guys uh, these past few years. Yeah, completely agree. I think I think Theory goes over. I think uh, that's the right move. I also, you know, and kind of looking back at it too, I think it's pretty impressive that he kind of survived the McMahon pass, passing to the torch because I think there was a certain degree of He's Vince's guy, you know, he's got the look, he's got the body, but the fact that this new uh, this new regime has really held him in such high esteem to keep him in that spotlight, I think says a lot about how his his universal appeal is pretty high. So, yeah, I think, I, I think Cena is just far too smart, and I think he also kind of loves the idea of after 
it being the John Cena comes back or, you know, he buries every up and comer. I think the idea of him just coming back to kind of give that Cena rub would be a great, you know, case of him once again, proving to all the marks that they never knew what they were talking about regarding him. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Let's move ahead here. SmackDown women's championship. We have Charlotte Flair, the champion versus Rhea Ripley. Who you got for this one, Danimal? I mean, this I feel like is one of those like kind of pat myself on the back ones because I feel like I've been on Rhea for quite a while. Not not to say it was particularly bold to predict that like the stunning athletic Australian wrestler was going to uh, go end up big, but I, I have loved the way they've kind of shown some of the uh, the highlight packages where she she came in as this like smiling blonde you know baby face without a lot of personality, and now she's got this like slightly unhinged leaning into her like tattooed more metal uh persona so no i think uh there's a really good kind of full circle because uh her and charlotte have wrestled a couple times with her losing so i think uh, i think charlotte's also kind of one of those early legends where she is so good she doesn't need the belt but taking the belt off of charlotte is a major thing especially on something like wrestlemania and to do it clean i know Liv morgan took it off her kind of in a money in the bank schmoz but no i think i think this is a great chance for you plus charlotte's kind of, this is one of those weird i don't know if they could try like a double turn here maybe because i feel like charlotte's just she's too good of a heel naturally with the legacy and the look and the fact that she's got you know her 13 reigns and the crowd just loves Rhea so much, you know, despite I think this is a case of Hunter being smart enough to go for it, whereas I think Vince would kind of have the like, no, she's got tattoos and wears dark lipstick. She's got to be a bad guy. So I I, I think she's going to go over, but I wouldn't be shocked if maybe they try a little something to let us side with Rhea as the match goes on. Yeah, you know, just based on this, these are two competitors that i actually am familiar with and they're both absolutely amazing um low-key i think for night one this has potential actually probably be the match of the night um just based off the talent in the ring and both of them knowing you know the the spectacle that they're a part of um i like the idea of i i would go ripley here um especially if we're going to go john cena dropping one to austin theory you know, WrestleMania typically favors kind of more of the babyface and or crowd favorites. So I don't think they would have multiple kind of disappointments. So uh, I, I'm going to go Rhea Ripley here, I, especially, too, because um, further down the card we'll discuss. But like the Dominic Mysterio thing is kind of reaching a stage where it's like they kind of need to decide like the future here. And so actually, there's a lot you can do if you put that strap on Rhea and uh, just kind of let her go. That's a great call. I think the one other thing I hadn't thought about until you said it with the match of the night is I think this will be a great case for both women to really get to show out because they usually have to work kind of as the dominant force, but not against someone who can turn it back against them. It's always got to be like the person's fighting from underneath. And, you know, I mean, with Rhea, you know, they've even done like her, you know, body slamming some guys to make it look impressive. So I, I think you're right in that we could, we, I think we could see a really physical match where they're kind of getting a little stiff and laying it into each other. But as such, I think you could have the crowd just losing their mind if you get some, you know, some bloody lips and some really stiff shots. So now I think, I think you're right that this is a, a stealth match of the night for night one. 
Right on. So moving ahead, we have the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championship. We have the Usos, the current champions, versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. Thoughts on this one, Danimal? I mean, this is this is kind of a, a culmination of some of the best storytelling that we've seen. I know, uh, you know, you've you've been aware of the the great bloodline uh, storyline as you kind of put Sammy over as one of the best, and I think you know Sammy and KO is one of the great wrestling pairs. I think they've kind of got like a, I can't even think of a comparison because it's one of these things that like. When they're together, it's like, you know, like Batman and Robin are like, you know, a super team, but then they can just as easily be like Batman and the Joker and that they're, when they're foils, they just are so great against each other. So I think them reuniting, um, I'm also, I feel like the the bloodline is kind of coming to a head and this definitely feels like a, uh, a pop the crowd moment. I think, uh, I think regardless of what happens with uh, Reigns and Cody, I think the Usos losing, losing their straps uh, to kind of mix up the bloodline a little bit, since I think these factions always, whether it's all at once or, you know, one or the other, I guess, I guess my thinking is Reigns will get to later, but I feel like if someone's going to show weakness, it'll be the Usos first to, to add some of the, uh, the beating. But I also think there's just going to be a great match in that, uh, you know, the Usos, I feel like, are kind of one of those tag teams that they were pretty cheesy for a while, despite having great matches. And I think now they're finally getting the respect of being, you know, a truly great tag team. And like I said, you know, KO and Zayn, whether foils or friends, put on incredible matches. So I think I think this is going to be an AEW-esque level uh, tag team show out. Yeah, that, that's a very fair assessment and honestly i think that's the correct decision uh but what i will say as i want to do this is the time where i'm going to pull out my tinfoil hat and deliver my conspiracy theory for this match which is um you know it will touch on roman and cody we'll go into great depth of that later but i think that this was sneaky brilliant booking on triple h's part to continue this feud with sammy and the Usos and Kevin Owens, just because given Cody's kind of, you know, coming back from that major injury and especially with kind of some of the penchant for over the top showmanship he's demonstrated in the lead up to WrestleMania, having Sami Zayn on the periphery here was a perfect opportunity to have somebody to slot into that main event if anything happened to Cody on the way up, especially when he's paired up with Kevin Owens. Because literally all you need is a quick video package of KO literally like shoving him and be like, you need to be in that main event. And then Kevin Owens can pair up with literally anybody in that locker room because because that's the beauty of those two guys. Like you said, like there's so much versatility. They can He can pair him up with practically anybody and be justified in a tag team championship against the Usos. Um, but I love what you were saying about the Usos as well, getting a chance to really showcase why they are so good because they were another one that really felt for a long time. It's like these guys are being way over elevated because of their, you know, lineage, but and also ties to Roman Reigns here and, and being this little cute faction. But the longer this has gone on, the more it's like, no, they're really good at what they do. Like starting to understand why they put up with so much of kind of the behind the scenes BS with them. So um yeah this this is gonna be a fun one i think regardless and yeah i I am 
think the AEW comparison is apt to very similar to like the last match we were talking about Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley. I think that these are all uh, students of professional wrestling as a whole. And uh, we'll use this opportunity to kind of showcase some of the not as popular WWE styles um, for, for lack of a better descriptor. All right, so let's move along again. Now we have Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish Strass versus Damage Control, which consists of Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky. Yeah, so this uh, this is kind of, I think this is a really cool match. I, I like it a lot in the sense that you're taking, you know, the two women that I think rightfully now are kind of given the flowers they deserve for despite the fact that they were still wrestling and you know their anatomy showcasing attire were putting on matches that were like holy shit like these women actually you know deserve to be in a main event which they were and you're putting them up against two of the four horsewomen which you know kind of speaks for itself and then you're kind of elevating you know io and dakota so I think I think it's a really cool kind of legend spot, especially I was listening to something earlier and it kind of brought up that this is this is kind of the legend spot because Cena, I don't think he's quite in the like Austin sting like he's you know, he, he may be a Hollywood guy, but he can still come back and be like a wrestler wrestler. So I think it's kind of cool that the quote unquote like old wrestler spot is going to two women and I feel like this is definitely a, uh, a send the crowd home happy kind of match. Um, I also think that Bailey is one of the most bulletproof performers, maybe in the world. Like her, her crowd work, her ring work. Like you know, I think she's a, doing a wonderful job in the sense that she came back from injury, so you know you can always hide someone as the third person in a tag team. But you know, she's got Ding Dong Hello, which is. Once again, a segment that if you told me that I was going to be excited every time it came on, I would call bullshit. But she's just so charismatic. So I, I think it'll be a great case for, uh, you know, Trish and Lita to get to work with, you know, more women that they probably wish they could have worked with. Because that was the thing is when they weren't wrestling each other, it was kind of the classic like, and now Lita's going to defend against this diva. And it was just like, okay, we're going to get, you know, just some slaps, some you know, mediocre Thez presses and then lead a win. So, um, yeah, I think, I think with this being the legend spot, I think they're going to kind of, you know, make sure that everyone gets to show out. But I, I also think it's just a cool spot. I'm, I'm really excited to get to see those women work with the kind of women that they inspired uh, growing up. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The, the women's division back in the diva era was um, pretty much the equivalent of Homer Simpson during his boxing career with some of the bookings that Mo threw together to him only just with much much more flesh showing um i i love that idea too of it being um you know a legend spot because you're right like cena is almost like the guy that should still be wrestling but he went over so well as an actor that he's kind of expedited that transition so um he doesn't necessarily need to have these big like spectacles and the whole crowd home happy matches just yet so i can definitely see the booking there of him dropping but this one you got to have him win there's no way that lita doesn't hit a moonsault from that top rope at some point in this and just send all of us old fans uh bonkers just for that hit of nostalgia so um and also it's a great great way to just keep becky and bailey featured in some capacity because they're too damn good to not be on the card 
and uh there's only so many belts to go around so yeah, yeah I, i'm with you there it's a great case of kind of proving that wwe can do these storylines without belts and so bringing them in is a great call and yeah lita will hit what was what was and will always be one of the scariest moonsaults in that she like does a descending moonsault but hey she rocks it so big shouts to her Right on. So moving to the next batch, I have listed here Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul. Danimal, I hate to admit it, but this is the other match that I actually consider to possibly be the one that steals best of the night. What are your thoughts here? I mean, you're a thousand percent right. I think that, you know, the the Paul brothers as a whole have kind of proven that if they really put their mind to something, they've got the athleticism to be pretty good at it. And I also think that having seen what Logan has done in these previous matches, the Roman match in Saudi Arabia, the crazy spot with Ricochet, um, I, I think that they're going to have some really impressive spots. But I also think it's, you know, Seth is one of the guys that, you know, the term I like to use is I, I think he, you could throw one of us out there with him under the bright lights and he'd be able to make us look good. So, yeah, I think I think it's going to be a, a very – a very well-planned match, but I think that the athleticism of Paul mixed with the willingness of Seth to uh, to kind of do what it takes. It also makes me think that Logan's going to win just because I think that Seth, you know, I, I guess this is the beauty of kind of the WWE character building is that, you know, Seth is just so good. He doesn't need wins. He walks out and if, you know, he wants a main event title match, He's just going to walk out and, you know, look ridiculous and the crowd's going to go nuts and love him. But I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think you're entirely right though. And I'm intrigued to see how they do it because like Paul's kind of gone some heel, some face and Seth has kind of been a little bit of a tweener. So I, I'll be interested to see how the crowd reacts and if they end up having to do maybe any, uh, you know, character adjustments on the fly. Yeah, it, actually picking who's going to win is the toughest one. I, I'm kind of leaning the direction you are. My biggest fear for this match, and I think the thing that could keep it from being the, the biggest banger, is potential for sneaking his brother in there and making it a little gimmicky towards the end, um, which is always going to be at play, especially because it's kind of hard for them to resist the opportunity given all the YouTube clicks and whatnot. But, um, but you hit the nail on the head. Like, I, I just... To me, the idea of Seth Rollins working with somebody who's so maybe he's raw, but so athletic and Seth can cover up any of the deficits you're going to see. And so now you're you're just seeing two of the better athletes on roster just go at it. And again, when you have two two athletes that can feed off a crowd like that, too, it could just make for a really dramatic, fun night. So um, I'm going to actually go Seth Rollins here. But I, in my, if I were betting, I, I think I would take Logan Paul because I think you're right here. Yeah, the other thing that I'm pretty excited to see is the uh, the Logan Paul buckshot lariat is pretty damn good, and I I feel like he's almost been looking for moves that like can kind of prove his legitimacy because like he's when he went up against the Mysterios, he had the frog splash and the three amigos. He did kind of the coast to coast with Ricochet and then he busts out the buckshot. So yeah, I'll be, I'll definitely be excited to see. Cause that's also, man, you want to talk about a pressure move. CM Punk showed us how poorly that can be executed on a big stage. So I'll, I'll give a tip of the cap for going for a, a boomer bust kind of move with that. 
Yeah, I like how you mentioned, too, the last time we got together, how he kind of has a bit of his own flair to it already, which is a really good indicator that, like, he's starting to pick up the subtleties of really kind of, like, embodying each moveset, which is, you know, it makes sense. I mean, he's he knows how to be a showman. It's just a matter of now making it click, and if anybody's going to force you to do it, it's Seth Rollins, so... Um, and we go into the dysfunctional family match, the Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio. What are your thoughts on this one, Danimal? You know, this storyline, I have to give a lot of credit to because it really felt early on like it just like Dom wasn't the guy. Like he kind of was like, he was all right in the ring. And then they, you know, t- turning him heel was also pretty great. And just that it was like crotch kicking which I felt like in hindsight really fits his, his uh, personality. But yeah, I think, I think they've done kind of a wonderful job in like pivoting his whole persona based off, you know, how the crowd has done it. The whole, the video of him getting taken away to jail and, you know, begging Rhea to get him out because he's not going to last to then him immediately pivoting to this false, like convict persona. I mean, it's been spectacular. And I think that, you know, the fact that they kind of avoided any of the like talk of the mask or handing off the legacy. I I think that that was where a lot of people figured it would be was it would be some, you know, a more traditional mask versus hair or mask versus retire or something like that. But the fact that it's kind of just been that like, he's just the like shitty kid who's like reading his own press clippings too much. Cause he, you know, caught like a touchdown pass in a high school football game and Ray finally like, okay, you've run me down, but you don't talk to your mother that way. And that being like the final straw was just great. So I'm, I'm super excited for this one. And I'm, I also think just from a match perspective, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they do it. Cause you know, Dom, he's bigger than Ray, but I don't feel like it's kind of the typical Ray having to work from under that we've seen a lot in the past. Yeah, no, I, I I love the WWE for managing in this era to create a storyline in which the entire fan base is rooting for a father to pummel his child and ju- feel justified in doing so. Like, just that is just so brilliant. And, you know, it, it's been a fun ride. And I think it's been so great to bring Dom along at the pace he needed to. Because I felt like when he debuted and they brought him along, obviously he's a Nepo case, but when you add in the fact that like there's those moments of hesitation or whatever, especially in comparison to his father, who's still pretty good at what he does, you know, there's a reason he's going into the Hall of Fame. Um, this was just a great way to let him exhibit some other skill sets. He's actually, I'm pretty impressed with some of his mic skills, to be honest. Like he's he's not quite a hundred percent polished. But it's okay because he's still learning it and he's trying out a new persona that is wildly different from why I imagine he, his natural default is. So um, I give him a lot of credit. Um, I'm still of the mindset that I think he's going to pull this one off because I do think Mysterio is around at the end of his career here. And uh, I think that he would, that's probably the greatest thing you could do if you're a wrestling father is to be able to go out on your back to your son and solidify his name in the sport. So uh, that's my choice. Who do you got on this one, Danimal? I think you're right. Um, I'm, I'm mostly curious because I, I think 
I think that we'll have to have Rhea involved in some way, shape, or form, and I think that's what could kind of lead to the end of the match one way or the other. I could see it being that either Rhea's getting involved and Ray's wife kind of does like a, you know, whether it's like a, you know, pulls her off the apron or just like delivers like the slap that in classic wrestling after getting like into an absolute brawl with Charlotte Flair, like an older woman open him slapping Rhea will like knock her to the ground. Um, Or I could see it being kind of a like his wife takes, you know, one of those really lame non-wrestler bumps as a result or like Ray's about to hit the 619 and Dom like puts his mom in the way. Just something, you know, I could I could see kind of a smarmy shit heel finish. So I I think you're right, though, just because I I don't think that this storyline really has the legs to make it a whole nother year. And I think it would almost be better, like I said, to just go this route. And then if you want to reheat it for like a mask thing, but yeah, I think I think you're right. I think Dom, but I think yeah, there'll be there'll be some kind of like I can't believe he did this uh, spin to it. I love it. I I can picture those scenarios you just described, and they're all brilliant. <laughs> and again, in this era, that's saying something. So, uh, so moving along, even though we did this kind of in reverse, because I have a feeling this is going to be the match that kicks off the evening. But we got Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus the Street Profits, versus Alpha Academy, versus Viking Raiders. Who you got in this one, Danimal? Well, first and foremost, I gotta say, I love like, getting that WrestleMania check match. Just the, like... And, and to be fair, you got, a, I mean, crazy talent in this match. It, it's really the, like, thing about it, where it's, like, enlisting it, it's, like, I think Braun may be, like, the worst wrestler in the match, but he, I love him, and... You know, clearly, like, Ricochet's crazy high flyer. Profits are both really good. You know, the Viking Raiders, I think they've done a really good job of rehabbing after they went just a horrible comedy gimmick with them. And now that's kind of like, oh, wait, these are guys that are both gigantic, move really well. Um, and then I, I think Alpha Academy, the the fact that they're doing another, like, Otis being, like, sought after by like the male model group and it's beautiful leader it's just like that guy i don't know how it works but it just does like god bless otis um so yeah i I really don't know what to expect i mean it'll probably be a pretty classic just like you know back and forth back and forth two and a half minutes of eight finishers um kind of match so i'll arbitrarily go with the profits just because i think if you can find some way to get a really cool Montez frog splash, those things are just out of this world. And I think to start it with him just having the like slow motion, I'm sure they'll shoot it where it's like him flying in front of the WrestleMania sign and then like landing on, you know, maybe one of the the Vikings just so that you get that, you know, big man hit. But yeah, I mean, I think I think this will be a pretty schmozzy, fun match. But like I said, you know, get get them checks, guys. You guys put in a lot of work. Yeah, no, it, it speaks volumes to the embarrassment of talent that WWE has now with all the folks they elevated from NXT and the free agents they brought in, and and you know the the folks they already had on roster that you can throw. You basically need to throw all these competitors into this match just to, as an excuse to put them on TV because they're all deserving to be featured. It's just where do you fit them in? Um, I I think you're dead on all, all through and through. Like I think the Street Profits have to take this one because clearly 
their trajectory is the highest of this bunch. Um, and Braun doesn't necessarily need wins to be intriguing. He's he's the biggest dude on roster that come that's biggest, most intimidating dude on roster. And you can pretty much throw him into anything. I'm excited to see which one between Ricochet or Ford jumps off of him because that I think would be the spot. But um, but yeah, I love the size versus speed kind of angle here too, where there, it's just going to be a fun over the top, you know, spot fest. But with this talent, it, it's definitely worth watching. All right, so that concludes night one. Let's move into night two. This time, let's do it from the bottom up. So. We got first match I have here is Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez versus Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler versus Natalia and Shotzi versus Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. Who you got going on here, Danimal? Uh, first of all, I got to say, get them checks, ladies. Way to go. Um, and, and real quick, who is it who's paired with Sonya? Um, the one I'm reading here is Chelsea Green. Okay. So I got to say, I have been loving Chelsea Green. I think her, like, story is pretty interesting in the fact that she, like, kind of tried. WWE got injured. You know, she's with Zack Ryder off screen, and they've just kind of been this incredible, like, indie pair. Um, I think I'm going to go with them just because I, I, I think it would be an interesting little swerve. I think that they're a case of, like, I think they could be a great odd couple because I think that Sonya has such a, She's got a lot of personality, but she's also kind of got the, like, no-nonsense, very intense-looking. And then Chelsea's just – I mean, she might be the best uh, – she's up there for the best, like, female characters. Like, I think there are some, you know, better showmen, but for someone that's really putting on a persona, she's great. So I think this will be a uh, – it'll certainly be entertaining. I think it's also kind of the sad showcase of, like, how the – MMA isn't the feeder that I think people expected it to be because like Shayna and Ronda should be such like a intimidating, scary duo. But it's like, I'm just, if they get, when they get tagged in the match, I'm going to be kind of bummed because it's just like, okay, I get it. They're like tougher than everyone in real life, but it's like, you know, we, we've never wanted the guy that's like the toughest in real life to win necessarily. So this one, yeah, get get the checks, ladies. But I would, I, I think I'm going to root for for Chelsea and Sonia just because I think that anything that can let Chelsea be more insufferable on TV and just like, especially if she were to like get a smarmy like roll up or someone else hits a finisher and she tags in and pins Ronda, like I think that could be just the funniest thing to go on for weeks of her like dodging Ronda while always talking about how she's beaten her. Uh, Chelsea Green, if forgive me if I'm wrong here, but didn't she wasn't there some controversy? Like, didn't she have some social media stuff that kind of rubbed people the wrong way? I may be completely off base on that one. Wouldn't surprise me. I'm not sure. Nothing jumps to mind, but I also know that she, especially if she's with Zack Ryder, you know, they they get pretty into it with the fans. So I wouldn't be shocked if she she crossed a line trying to go after someone a little bit. Yeah, well, it speaks to my ignorance, unfortunately, with a number of these competitors. And, and I think you nailed it. I mean, this is obviously like, you know, we got to throw a number of these folks out there um, and give them a bit of showcase. Um, but I think the biggest point is what you mentioned, the Ronda Rousey in particular, um, lesser extent Baszler, because she's not nearly the, the draw. But 
it, it's just not it's not working and i feel like um this reminds me of um another tinfoil hat theory i have um that uncharted movie that came out very recently where the casting was so funky with mark Wahlberg and the kid from uh spider-man where it was like this doesn't seem at all like the characters of this franchise and and for me the the theory on it is that it's like well they're probably two actors that had contracts to do X amount of movies that are both kind of entering into a weird realm where it's like, they don't really have any work for them. So you may as well just kind of knock them off so that you can get out of that said contract. So you just throw them into something that, you know, will work. That's kind of where I'm at with this and Rhonda, where it's like, she obviously, they had to shell out big bucks to get her back. They obviously are like obligated to feature, but they have no idea what to do with her because she, there's nothing there. So just toss her into things like this and, you know, hope for the best. So um, I I'm with you there. I default to the wrestlers. I know in situations like this, so I'm going to say Liv Morgan, Raquel Rodriguez, but I have no idea if they're favored here or not. Yeah, I think, I think that's a safe pick. And I think that's an absolutely spectacular comparison that I, I think that fortunately, you know, Triple H sees the amount of talent in his women's division and knows that the fans are just not going to react to Ronda in the way that they want. So I think you're right. They may just be in the kind of like, let's run out the string, you know, eight years from now, we'll make her a Hall of Famer and we'll have like the the Rock and Ronda or Rocket or Angle and uh, Ronda match against, you know, Hunter and Steph. And we just won't talk about the rest of this. Uh, <laughs> very, very much in line with a, uh, Bart's uncle who shot him all and let God sort him out and we'll never speak of it again, uh, according to Marge for one of my favorite scenes. So yeah, I think I think that'll be Rhonda's later career and title reign. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> all right. So next match I see here, Brock Lesnar versus Omas. What are your thoughts on this one, Danimal? This is an interesting one. You know, I'm here for it. Um there was I think it was the the Lesnar Lashley that I I posted the it's idiotic but i'm compelled by it and i believe your brother posted the simpsons running at each other with pots on their heads and it kind of feels like that because this is one of those ones one i'm fascinated because this is probably one of the few people on planet earth that i legitimately wonder if was like if there was a real fight that took place what would happen because he's i mean he really is one of the most impressive just specimens and watching him move. I mean, he moves well for a man, his size. It's not, it's not the great colleague or, you know, giant Gonzalez. Like he's, he's there. So I just want to see what happens because, you know, I think, I think it's going to be something of a sprint. I'm just curious of, does Brock get some action in? Do we do like a, you know, Oh my God, F five in the first, you know, seven seconds, but then, Omos does the classic, you know, bench press at one, throws him off, and then it's squash. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm fascinated by this one. Also, it kind of is like Lesnar's really notorious about kind of only doing what he wants. So I'm wondering if he just kind of has the like, I'll put this guy over thing, because it's it's a classic. No good comes of Lesnar winning this match. Like, they've done a good job with kind of protecting Omos, but if he just becomes another notch on the belt. You know, Lester doesn't need it. So I think I think I'm picking Omas. It's just a question of do we get kind of, you know, a 15 finishers by each guy kind of match, or is it 
he takes Lesnar's best shots and it seems like, uh, you know, he should be done and then he's not at all. And then he just turns the match. That, that's great assessment. You actually may convince me to be more intrigued by a match that really t- at first, like put me off when I saw it, but I, I think you're dead on with Brock Lesnar. Like at this point in his career, he doesn't, he doesn't need wins. Like he can just show up. In fact, Honestly, with them jazzing Goldberg uh, recently from roster, he fits in perfectly with that of just kind of this force of nature. You just kind of summon whenever you need a big spot and or somebody to send over to Saudi to, you know, pop a crowd for cheap. So, well, not cheap, but <laughs> for cheap heat. But um, I think actually this is like you, you raise an excellent point that this isn't awesome jumping off point for Omas to demonstrate kind of the depth of his talent because the always the drawback with these larger than life giant figures is that um it's tough to book matches with them because there's only so much you can do with them or you always have to have some like crafty way where they lose because they're supposed to be an unstoppable force so pairing with Brock like we may actually get to see him take some bumps and, you know, if he proves that he can take bumps, then he could potentially slot into uh, that realm of the other kind of not quite giant giants like him. But as we'll see with a later match on this card, like the Gunthers, the Drew McIntyre's, the Sheamus were just massive humans, but wrestling as if they're in AEW. So, um, so yeah, I'm really actually intrigued now that you mentioned it with uh, what could play out here. And you're right. Like if Brock wins this, then all you've done is is derailed uh, up and coming talent and thrown Brock back into the mix of, well, is he a title contender? Is he do we need to pair him up with somebody? Because what the hell are we doing? Because we know he's probably not going to be back for another six months anyway. So. All right, moving up the card, uh, this would probably be my easiest pick for potential to be match of the night, but the Hell in the Cell match at Edge and Finn Balor. What are your thoughts on this one, Danimal? You know, I want to say first and foremost that thank goodness they're remembering that Hell in a Cell is like a great match for a feud because like with the pay-per-view itself, it had gotten just kind of laughable that it's like... um, I guess because we're referencing cartoons, it, it was kind of like when in King of the Hill, Hank uh, gets reborn in Texas, and then Peggy's, you know, brings up the idea, and Hank's like, yeah, catch a flight in Dallas, you're a native Texan. It feels like that during Hell in a Cell season, it's like, used to be, you know, Michaels and Undertaker blowing off the few, or I think it was Triple H and Undertaker, but, you know, it was huge, and now it's just like, we've wrestled two matches on Raw, there's only one way to end this. Hell in a Cell. So I'm really glad that they're busting it out into WrestleMania because it's going to feel big, um, which is also kind of fascinating to me because it's kind of like Edge has just been getting screwed over by a whole faction, but I love the idea of, like, we're just going to put him with the most talented wrestler of the bunch to guarantee the finest results. Um, so, no, I'm I'm really excited for this one. I think, you know, it's it's a case of Finn getting one of the highest profile spots on the card in actuality. I think it's kind of a classic, like, yeah, you may not be going for a belt, but you're wrestling edge in the cell. Um, the other thing I'm fascinated to see is, does he bring back the demon? Cause we, we haven't really seen much of the demon. So I, I kind of want to see if he, uh, he busts that out and, you know, maybe we get an, an edge. I think it was the SummerSlam match where he did the, uh, 
the brood and edge like double entrance. So I think a demon kind of brood could be a, a really fun way to lead into a, a darker match. Yeah, no, I, I think this is awesome, especially because Edge is kind of in that realm of like I don't want to say borrowed time, but he's you know, he's already done the major retirement and now he's back, you know, wrestling like on a limited basis in short, especially on these big spots. But I like this as just an opportunity to remind, especially the younger fans who maybe didn't grow up with him, that like this is like literally one of the figures in professional wrestling that introduced real hardcore wrestling to the masses and, you know, put on a hell of a show. I mean, there's, there's Jeff Hardy, like always takes the cake for me, but edge was almost always there involved. So, and competing, competing with a, a figure like Bauer, I, I see only good here. So, um, I'm going to give the edge to edge because, you know, it is WrestleMania and they like to honor the the baby faces over the heels and or the fan favorites. But I, I'm expecting some big things out of Finn here because, um, you know, he, that guy is so damn talented. And I'm so happy that they keep him involved in, in higher profile matches just because he really isn't, you know, the classic WWE mold. He's he's certainly more that AEW star, like more uh, low key, faster guys. So. Uh, who do you got in this one, Danimal? You know, I think I think I'm gonna go Finn. I think that with Edge, kind of a like you said, I think he's winding down a bit. I think that while this feud has been very personal, um, I don't know. I think I, I think I would just maybe it's a, it's a personal thing too because I'm still grieving somewhat over Finn's torn shoulder that ended his Universal Title run after one match, and he's still yet to get up there. So. I'm a, I think I'm going to go with Finn, maybe with the heart, because I can see them wanting to pop the crowd, but I, I guess there's also the part of me that feels like if he comes out with the demon, uh, the demon's been pretty unstoppable with the exception of the really weird uh, turnbuckle breaking, and then he just collapsed afterwards, which is the strangest end to a match I think I've seen, but I'll, I'll go with Finn too, so we can get a little uh, little mix in our picks here. I love it. I can't wait to see who comes out on top on that one. Uh, next match, we have an Intercontinental Championship, Gunther versus Drew McIntyre versus Sheamus, which one thing, one thing we know for certain, there are going to be some furious chops. But the question is to you, Danimal, who's going to take this one? Oh, man, this, this, I think, might have to be my pick for match of the night, because I, I mean, you want to talk about three guys that are going to be throwing some stiff shots, it's going to be just yeah you're right everyone's chest is gonna look like hamburger this is gonna be the classic like after the match they'll show all three of them like backstage together and it's just gonna be like the you know you call wrestling fake like all that um so no this i think this is gonna be incredible um i think gunther's gonna keep it for now um just because i i think the rumble was really an indication that he is he is held in the highest of esteems. Um, and I think that, you know, he, the, the thing I love about him too, is that he was kind of the guy that it was like, well, he doesn't quite look like a WWE guy. He's a little on the chunky side. And then he just like got promoted to the main roster and just like dropped just enough weight that he like looks even more intimidating. Um, so no, I think, I think this is just going to be an incredible match though. I think all three guys are really going to put everything they have into it. Their styles go great. You know, the Seamus uh, Gunther match from Clash at the Castle was 
something else. And I think throwing Drew in there, they're going to go for it in a big way. So, yeah, I, I think this is going to be a, a borderline not for the faint of heart, just in the sense that there won't be blood. But I think it's just going to be like the sound of these impacts is going to be just sickening in the best way possible. Yeah, no, that I think you you're dead on uh, all around. Like I, I think Guther is an amazing character, and I'm shocked because when I first saw the character and the persona he he developed, I, I just was not thinking anything. I didn't think it had legs, but it's it's amazing where he stands now in my ranks of professional wrestlers. I like to see and keep up on. So, um. I drew and Seamus, I feel so bad. They're so damn good, but there's like just no room at the top for them right now. So um, they're kind of in that realm though, where it's like, they're always a draw. They're always entertaining. The crowds always love them. So, and um, I love that they're putting them in a big physical match like this. And, and you know what? I, I kind of buying into your thought too, that this could steal the thunder because this is going to take any of Eddie Kingston's chap slapping fest that he puts on and, and just turn it up to another level of like, is this an actual fight? <laughs> like this is, this doesn't seem like they're wrestling. Like they, it just looks like they're hitting each other. So, um, which, you know, to their credit, great stuff if it's done right. So, um, Moving along, you know, this is my dark horse for, uh, once again, the women's uh, championship match on, on night two could steal the show as well. Uh, Bianca Belair, the champion for the Raw Women's Championship versus Asuka. Um, you want to talk about two of the most talented wrestlers I, I enjoy watching on WWE. It's these two. And uh, this is another one that I think you're going to see some some stuff out Asuka in particular uh, with Bianca that... Uh, have not been showcased yet on WWE television. So what are your thoughts here, Danimal? You know, I, you're, you're right. And I I think it just speaks to between the booking and the talent and everything. The fact that there are so many matches that we just can be like, this could be the one, this could be the one because they're, they're not only good matches, the pairings I think are really like, they're doing a great job with styles because I think the one thing against it's kind of the classic, like I can't say I hold it against Bianca because it's not her fault is she's so athletic and so powerful that it's hard to put her in a match with anyone where she seems to be at risk. And so I think that just the ferocity of Asuka really will make it believable that she could be struggling. And I think that's really important because I think the the powerhouse babyface, you know, even going back to like Hogan, you know, people would have hated that shit now because it was just like, yeah, we get it. He's stronger. He's, you know, faster. He's saying more prayers. So I think that the idea of Bianca, you know, despite all her, you know, physical, I mean, she's, she's a freak in the best possible way, despite all that, that she may have just finally found someone who, you know, is, is too, you know, too stiff, too violent. Um, And I'm, I'm picking Oscar mostly because I think we really need to see, I think Bianca kind of go with like, you know, the Rocky three in that, like, I thought I was ready. I thought I knew what I was doing, but like, this is something I was not ready for. And I think the idea of her having to kind of like recover from a, a real beating and, you know, taking shots that she wasn't aware of, you know, baby faces are always better when they're chasing the belt. And, you know, I think it could be great too. That is, you know, Bianca's kind of rehabbing. You can just have Oscar just brutalizing people in the, 
in the interim. Like, you know, maybe Bianca takes it back at a SummerSlam or Survivor Series. But in the meantime, it's like, people love Liv Morgan. Here's Asuka beating the shit out of her. And it's like, Raquel Gonzalez is really big. Uh-oh. Like, she just got her ass kicked by Asuka, too. So I think that you're right in that there's there's a lot to this match. But, yeah, my real hope out of this is that we we give Bianca a chance to really chase a, a worthy adversary because when she dropped the belt last time, it was that goofy, you know, eight second match against Becky, which was just like, yeah, she had to fight her way back. But I, I like the idea of a, a broken Bianca having to, you know, really find her, you know, way back to beat someone. I, I absolutely love everything you said there. And I couldn't agree more. Um, I think in particular, too, like there's always something super intriguing when you take one of those figures like like you made the perfect descriptor of like old Hogan back in the day. But but like in a more modern comparison, like we talked about Edge and his hardcore matches or whatever, like part of what made it so intriguing was when you were pairing him up with like the scumbag Dougley boys and like, you know, the Hardy boys, which were always kind of the anti Edge and Christian where it's taking these like classic baby faces and all of a sudden they're thrust into this very violent, very over the top kind of match that they don't seem like they have any business belonging in. And so when you see them ascend to that level, or if you want to look at lower themselves to that level to match it, it's a thing of beauty in terms of like in ring, like storytelling, Um, you know, Zach Ryder, you mentioned earlier too, another great example of, you know, a guy who was kind of goofier wearing his WWE run, then he goes off to like CZW where and starts doing these hardcore matches where he's still kind of this clean cut, you know, WWE figure, but now he's covered in blood and like having to channel this different persona in order to go over. So um, I, I love the idea of seeing something similar with Bianca where she's so bubbly, she's so fun, but also so damn much better than most other folks she's in the ring with. But then paired with just an absolute monster in Asuka, um, it, it could be really, really fun. And and I would love to see that kind of Rocky Three booking because no matter how many times they go back to that well, it's always fun for me. So, All right, so that just leaves the big one, the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Roman Reigns, the current champion, versus Cody Rhodes. Danimal, I'm dying to hear who you got on this one. Oh man. I mean, this one, this is one that I feel like it kind of reminds me of a, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe like an awards race or something where everyone, you start with like a clear favorite, but then the more things happen and the closer we get to the awards ceremony, it's like, well, you know, this is, this person's really been getting a lot of buzz and they're working the scene. Cause if you'd asked me after Royal Rumble, I was all in for Cody and it seemed kind of like a foregone conclusion and I'm just not as sure anymore. I think I'm rooting for Cody, but there's also a part of me that feels like, I just don't know if I've seen enough to really merit him taking the belt off the champ. And, you know, then I, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll do a quick tinfoil hat of, you know, could, could we get some rock interference in some way? That's the one other thing that keeps coming to mind for me would be if, if it seems like Cody's got it won and then, you know, Solo Sokoa, who's at ringside, costs him the match, do we get like a rock run-in that tilts it back for Cody and maybe sets up a a Roman rock showdown or something? Because I realize everyone thought it would be now, but I also think that 
them going for the belt never really made sense because I think it's a foregone conclusion that Rock wouldn't win the belt. So I'm wondering that. So that's in play for me. Um, but yeah, I just kind of wonder if if Reigns. You know, I, I would like to see Cody kind of suffer some more agony at the hands of Reigns because so far it's kind of just been that you know it's some good promos back and forth. But I, I, I really, I'm torn on this one. What are what are you thinking? I mean, you you wear the best tinfoil hat of all. I, I I'm kind of with you completely. Um, you know what I'll say is that I was so convinced that there was no way in hell Cody drops this one, but then I remember I I forget who mentioned it, but somebody pointed out that. If Roman makes it to SummerSlam, I I believe he would cross the thousand day marker, which is also one of those milestones that like WWE, I, I could totally see them wanting to hold on to that just because I don't know if they're ever going to want to replicate that again. Um, Cody, too, like he's so over the top right now, but like he's almost I can't envision a world where he's the champ because this whole persona is attempting to become the champ. So once he gets the belt, he goes back to kind of being the boring Cody that got booed every night in AEW of just being this like larger than life like figure. So I, I'm really torn here. I mean, it is WrestleMania. I, I love that you brought up the rock because that's looming because that's that's potential, especially now that his Black Adam movie didn't get picked up. So <laughs> he might actually be looking for other work sooner than later. But um. I think that the the move with the Rock and Reigns has to be the next one, the WrestleMania 40, right? And it can't be for a belt because then it takes away all the intrigue because there's no way the Rock can really get a belt. So I, I'm I'm on the fence here. I'm, I'm gonna say, you know, I I picked the Usos, I believe, to retain. So in that case, I'm gonna take Cody here. Who do you got for here, this animal? I think I think I'm gonna go Reigns because the one other thing that I've been trying to figure out, and maybe this is something Cody would have to do, but and this is I guess this may not be a tinfoil hat so much as like my my business tie, is that with the media deal coming up, I can't help but wonder if they're gonna want to split the belts back up, and that's another thing that I don't think you could have Roman split the belts or lose a belt. Um, it just may not be time yet because yeah, I just, the more I think about, I don't know. I, I, I think Co- when I think about the end of the show, I see Cody getting it and getting the pop making more sense. But I think, I think I'm just going to go with Reigns Cause the other thing is I think if the bloodline kind of in the, in the way that you were saying, for me, it's the other end where if, if Jimmy and Jay drop the belts and Roman doesn't, I think then we can get a bit more of the ugliness that goes along with, you know, him demeaning them. And, you know, I got this, you know, I've carried these things for, you know, a thousand days. You couldn't hold on for this long. And, you know, maybe that gets us some more dissension, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is a main event that I could, I could see it being, you know, kind of schmozzy and just a very lame, like solo or Heyman, you know, just pulling some bullshit and Reigns kind of winning in that regard. I could see Rock coming out. I could see KO and Sammy, and we've just got a full-on, like, you know, six guys at ringside and just all hell breaks loose. But I'll I'll go with Reigns just because I think that at the same time, you know, him him in Hollywood is is something I could definitely see uh, ending it. So, yeah, that that's the main event. That's the one that uh, 
you know, I mentioned earlier, I've got a, a family affair prior to it, but I, I think I may have to make sure I skip ahead to get to watch this one live so that I'm, I'm right there with the rest of the world, but I'm, I'm excited. I think these guys are going to tear it down though. Cause oh, and the one other thing, and this, I want to get your take on this. There's been some talk that could they be reticent to reward Cody with the belt for fear of it becoming a like, go out, cut your teeth elsewhere, and then once you build your cred, you can come back and get the belt. Because Drew kind of did it. He reinvigorated the European-British wrestling scene and then worked his way back and won it. Do you think there could be any hard feelings, or do you think it would derail bringing talent over from AEW for fear of like, you know, oh, well, I cut my teeth there, but WWE will never push me because they're going to punish me? That's an excellent question. Uh, what I would say is the reason I'm leaning Cody here is I, I feel like that that was what convinced him to leave AEW. Like, I, I don't think he had any incentive to like, sure, money's great and all that. But he, he was building something amazing when he was working his, in his EVP role over at AEW and actually his persona was excellent. Like I I loved his character, even though he was getting heat everywhere. Um, But I I believe that when the WWE brought him aboard, that that was the agreement was that I I get the belt (laughs) because that, that clearly is the thing that, that fuels him. And and that's, he's created his entire wrestling persona around it. Um, I think that in his case too, though, even though you're you're absolutely right, Drew did do it. Drew did it overseas, which doesn't mean as much to the WWE universe. Whereas Cody, the thing I I, I realized after doing a little bit of my ten minutes of research um, after you and I went to the AEW show in Seattle was realizing just how active he was on some of these indie circuits and like so many of these these folks that appeared in AEW later were folks that he would show up in Tacoma and wrestle Swerve Strickland in a big house show that brought aboard, you know, maybe a lot of local talent that wasn't on his level, but he found he targeted the like one competitor in that region that did took him into a match, main evented it and put him over. So, I mean, there's a lot with Cody that like, suggests that they are invested long-term because his mind for wrestling is just over the moon. So um, if anybody's going to take a boring personality like he has and do something else with it, I think it would be him. And I think that he has thick enough skin to be able to handle all the up-and-comers throwing stardust jokes at him and making fun of his mustache and all that. But um, it, it does beg... The question because you know you're already seeing with MJF his campaign to join WWE essentially next year when his contract is up and and other talent like do you want to set that precedent of basically saying like hey build yourself up be a big name and then force your way to a belt over here so uh, but I, I think Cody's a bit of an exception because um, the wrestler that he is today is is light years ahead of anything that we saw when you and I both on record said that there was a lot of talent back in the mustache era. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I could take either one taking this belt. And uh, what do you think here, Danimal? What what were your thoughts on future uh, free agents? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. And it may also be something that, you know, it, it wouldn't be the worst thing. And it's also something they're probably self-aware enough about that at some point, you know, you could have MJF come over and in the big, you know, WrestleMania SummerSlam spot lose and then have Cody just be on the mic and be like, what? You thought you were just going to be able to show up and you'd get a belt for signing a contract? You know, so I, I could see something like that. And I also do think that with the the concept of, you know, him doing it for the family and, you know, Dusty and everything. And I think that is one storyline and one thing that WWE does hold very close. Cause you know, I think Dusty, especially like his work in the performance center at the end of his life, I think that, you know, they've got the Dusty classic. They, you know, really do love and respect the Rhodes family. So yeah, I think, I think you're right. And I think Cody could also be kind of the, the exception, not the rule moving forward, that it may be a little bit more of a like, okay, MJF, you know, you are spectacular, but you gotta, you know, you gotta win the US title and you gotta get heat from our crowds and you gotta prove to us that you can do it in front of, you know, you know, stadiums and not just basketball arenas. So yeah, I think, I think you're right. And also to be fair, I think it, and you know, will Cody be able to make it work? To be fair, he made Stardust pretty fucking good. Like, <laughs> That that gimmick I thought was pretty cringeworthy, and then I was getting really jacked up for uh, Stephen Amell to uh, wrestle against him. So, yeah, I think I think it should be uh, should be pretty great, and I'll I'll be excited to. I, the other thing that'll be really fun is then we'll get the Raw after WrestleMania, which is always the great like let's see what they've got planned because they've really gotten away from doing the like we'll just run everything back for a month while we figure it out. So I think I think Hunter will have some pretty cool uh, tricks up his sleeve. Yeah, no, two final thoughts on Cody before we adjourn here. Um, one, I feel like WWE is always at its best when the title holder has some sort of t- corporate ties, for lack of a better description, be it Triple H and his huge runs holding the belt and always kind of like kind of being the main booker and like every it being part of the storyline. You know, I, I think that always goes over really well particularly when Cody, the second point, his persona is the American nightmare, even though he's like the through and through baby face. But you have to wonder that he has to have a heel version of that, that he just hasn't shown a glimmer of. And I could totally see that just exploding the second he gets the strap, just of becoming the like over the top business suit who shows up, just trashes the crowd, just the classic overall heel so I think that there's a lot of potential for more than just the boring like Wheaties box Cody that we've had for the past few years who puts on banger matches. So, but you know what? If Reigns pulls it out and makes it to SummerSlam with a thousand days, that'd be pretty cool too. Ultimately, this is going to be a fun night and I'm looking forward to it through and through. Danimal, any final thoughts on WrestleMania 39 here? No, can't I uh, can't wait. Think you're right, and also I think I think that American Nightmare comp's a really good one. That uh, if Rain steps aside for a while, you could do a pretty quick like, you know, the crowd's booing him, and you didn't respect me. You know, everyone loves my father now, but you cheered when he wore the polka dots. Like, you know, just they they could do that pretty pretty quick and easy. So I think that's a great call, and yeah, I'm really excited to uh, to get this WrestleMania in the books, see where they go. And uh, we'll be able to get together and uh, rehash what we saw. Hell yeah. Well, this has been the Hollywood brunettes wrestling podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.